Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, guys, it's finally that time for an emergency podcast. This is one of those things, Farmers Insurance Open Week, Torrey Pines is a popular event, deep field. As you guys know, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, so many big names. Those last two I mentioned, Rahm and Thomas, tied for the lead. But here's why we're doing the podcast. Because a developed relationship with Adam Shank, he's fifth year on tour, unheralded player. Not many of us know much about this guy out of Indiana. Um, this guy has got some great stories. So I, I got him on online here on, let's see, Thursday night. I interviewed him after he shot 62, 10 under par in the North course to get into the final pairing. I should say grouping for the third round. This guy's never even played in a major championship before, but here he is. He can be going toe to toe with John Rahm at a place. Well, Rahm won. Oh, what do you, oh yeah. That what, he won that U S open there about six months ago. Right. Okay. So this is going to be a crazy, a tall order, a crazy opportunity though, for a, a guy that's been at it here for a while. He was on in South America. He played on, on tour down there, really worked his way up to the PGA tour. This has been a long journey, huge opportunity for Adam Shank. So we get to know him. Talk about the the food he he took out or take out with his wife on Thursday night. We talk about what they're going to plan to do uh, the morning before they go to the uh, to the course. Talk about what he's expecting out of being with Rom and being with JT. No one else. I'm talking about media members did not ask him about that grouping and and how that's going to affect things, how he's going to perceive uh, and, and take on a mindset uh, around that challenge. So we're going to get to that as exclusive content here on Beyond the Clubhouse. And before we get to that, Encore Golf, check out their website and their golf balls, Innovation Advantage is what they call themselves. Encore's premium, high-performance golf balls are engineered to help players of all skill levels become better golfers using their proprietary perimeter weighting and advanced materials. More mass is distributed through the outer layer, providing un- parallel distance and control that's the big key for me distance and control i've used their vero x1 golf balls or tour level golf balls the last oh, i want to say 17 months and the distance off the tee has been huge it's gained about 15 yards on my driver which as you guys know is a huge difference it gets you less club coming in control around the greens is also massive obviously with chipping and just having that touch so you you have both of that with the vero x1 you can get 10 percent off my promo code b the letter b clubhouse when you order online on encoregolf.com um, check it out. All right, we're going to get to it here. Adam Shank on Beyond the Clubhouse. This is from Thursday night of Tory Pines right after a second round. After this is done, about, what, 20 minutes, I added on the episode I did with him in October when he was coming off the 54-hole lead. He had a chance there at Shriners, didn't close, but what did he learn from that? And also just a lot of backstory in that one as well. This, this part here, this 20 minutes, is more about, okay, what's going on? What is he thinking about as he takes on Ram and Thomas and then the next 20 minutes as we attach that podcast from from October will be a little more backstory on Adam Shank so here it is on beyond the clubhouse all right I'm pleased to be joined by Adam Shank PGA Tour player he's out at Torrey Pines one of the great places in the world playing golf and he's co-leading with Justin Thomas and 
the world world number one, John Rom. Uh, what's going on, Adam? How are you, man? I'm good. Good to be back on the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I look at you know playing Tory Pines coming off your birthday. You turn thirty. You, you're over the hill now. So what does it feel like to play so well now that you're in your thirties? Yeah, it feels great. I mean, if, if, if this is what it's going to be like in my 30s, then it's going to be hopefully a lot of good years. But uh, um, yeah, it was my birthday. My parents are in town. So we've had a couple nice dinners, um, spent some time with the wife. Obviously, she's out here with me this week. And uh, yeah, it's a special week. Um, yeah, I turned 30. So I've been not dreading it, but it seems like every year, obviously getting closer, not turning it, not turning it. And then now it's finally upon me. But, but yeah, the 30s have been um, very good to me so far. What's well, interesting, you mentioned your parents growing up in Indiana on a sod farm, being able to pretty much have a driving range wherever you were with your parents to be able to play so well in front of them. You shoot 10 under at Torrey Pines. You're playing at a big event with huge field. Like how, how rewarding is that for your parents to see that? Yeah, it's great. I mean, um, I haven't seen them in, I guess, three and a half weeks, come up on four weeks almost. So just seeing them in general and, and having them follow and going to some dinners has been really fun. And to play well um, in front of them and to shoot, you know, 10 under is, is kind of icing on the cake. And, you know, I played well on Wednesday um, on the south course, which is obviously much harder. But, you know, to do it on the north course, shoot my, you know, career low, maybe by a couple. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but definitely more special to have them there. Mm. Being an Indiana guy, getting used to these grasses. I know it's your fifth year on, on the PGA Tour, but what is it like getting used to the Poana Greens out here? It's definitely something to get used to the south course obviously all poana there's a little bit of poana in the north course but the the north greens roll really well so i think that's why the scores um are even lower over there that's a big help if you had those greens in the south course i think the scores would be a little lower over there but um both courses the greens are very fast not quite super firm i would say but I bet the greens firm up tomorrow and then on saturday as well it feels weird to say on saturday instead of sunday <laughs> last day so it's, it's tough getting that um, correct, but looking forward to the challenge. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't had a whole lot to complain about through two rounds. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the greens there, South course um, there at Torrey Pines. I'm curious, like what's the key to, to short putts? I know that people get a little worried about even 24 inches, 30 inches. What do you feel is the key to short putts and also distance control on the South course? For me personally, I just try and have a smooth stroke because it, um, returns my putter with the same loft. So I have um, a tendency to get a little quick with my stroke and kind of leave the face maybe open with less loft. And then the balls kind of bounce because I hit it into the green. So I try and smooth out my stroke more than anything on the Poana green. So I return it with more loft and get the ball up and rolling on top of the Poana rather than just like beating it into the ground and watching it bounce around. Because when you do, if you have like a five footer or a 10 footer, you can just sit there and watch the ball wiggle back and forth. And it's kind of a weird look. It's a weird um, sight when you hit a putt to see it rolling back and forth to the left. So getting used to that is half the battle. But I mean, having good speed is, I would say, smoothness of the stroke and having good speed are the two things that I focus on. Because if you do miss a 10 or 20 footer, like you said, you don't want to have too far coming back. For sure, man. And you said, um, looking forward to the opportunity. You're paired with Justin Thomas and John Rahm. Um, have you played with these guys before in, in situations on tour? I don't think so. I may, may have played maybe a hole or two just here and there when people are bouncing around, but never never a tournament round with either of them, I don't think. So I'm, I'm pumped. It's going to be a great time. You know, 
John Rahm, of course, won the U.S. Open there six months ago. We all know that what he did there, finishing so strong, and he's played well at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. So when you look at that, like, how do you kind of take on that challenge? I know you want to stay and play your game, but how are you going to kind of take on that challenge knowing that he's in your group there? Yeah, I mean, what a challenge it's going to be with with him, and obviously Justin's one of the world's best players, and, and not to mention – all the other great players that are up around the leaderboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rom wins around there a lot. It seems like he's, I think he has first win there, won the U S open, like you said. So it's definitely going to, whether it's, you know, him or the 20 other people that could win the golf tournament. I mean, you're just going to have to play really good golf for, for two days. So, you know, obviously, like you said, focusing on myself and trying to do that um, is probably all I can do. And if, if John Rom goes off and, does something crazy like he did at the U.S. Open, then he obviously he's going to be tough to beat. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in the field that can do that. Um, so hopefully it's me. But, you know, and, and time will tell in a couple of days. Interesting. Yeah, time will always tell. Um, I'm curious, like, when you get to an event like this, I mean, you're going to get to the first tee. There's going to be a lot of people around there. You're going to have those Rom and Thomas. Like, are you going to be more of a chatty guy? You know what I mean? Is that kind of your um, default? Or do you like to kind of keep to yourself? Like, what, what's kind of your approach there? Um, I'll probably keep to myself mostly. Um, I've, like I said, I've never really played with, I've never played with those guys before. Not, um, not, not really have I ever played. I have never played with those guys before, <laughs> um, in a tournament. So I don't know how they'll be, but, um, uh, I'm guessing it'll be more of more quiet, but still like, I'm guessing they're both friendly guys and, and people say nice things about them. So I'm sure we'll have, um, some chats and whatnot, but I'll, I'll mainly just be sticking to myself. I'm sure. And, um, trying to find out how to hit more fairways for sure well you know you're so passionate about being on tour i know you've you've gone um in, in the mini tours as well leading up to the pga tour you spent a lot of time in south america so when you get to a big event like tomorrow and and the third round this deep of a field like how do you kind of manage your expectations as you take on the challenge that this is knowing that you're trying to get your first win as well yeah i mean not a ton of expectations really managed. The golf course is so difficult. So you, you, you're going to most likely, hopefully I don't, but you're most likely going to have some bogeys. You're going to get in some tough spots. You're going to hit a ball where you really can't <clears throat> advance it all the way to the green. I mean, more than likely it's just going to happen, but just managing the situations where you get in when it's just less than ideal, I think will determine, you know, how I finish this weekend, I guess you could say on, on, on uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, if I handle it well and can keep it in the fairway a little more often than I have the first couple days, um, and can continue a somewhat of a hot putter, then I think I'm, you know, I'm going to like where I finish, whether that be, you know, first or fifth, whatever that might be. Um, but I think how you handle those difficult situations when you are out of position on the South course, um, will determine what kind of weekend I have. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a beast of a course. Um, I, I'm curious, like, uh, getting up like you talked about working out already tonight you took takeout dinner what, what, what was on the menu for tonight we had flower child what is that Which, flower <laughs> child i don't know it's just like it's a nice fresh hipster place it's way overpriced it's really good but i mean it's not worth the 50 dollars that we were 54 dollars we just spent but she, my wife likes it um so that's what we got yeah and then tomorrow morning i mean just like I'm just guessing same routine as usual. Is it like a workout in the morning? Is it just, uh, you know, get there an hour and a half before or kind of, what are you thinking about preparing? Yeah, I'll probably, we'll probably go to Starbucks in the morning. Might go for a walk. Um, probably get there a couple hours before and practice a little putting, 
do a little chipping. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, it's nice that it's threesomes off two tees. So I'm not like, you know, two thirty or three o'clock. So that's, uh, it's nice not have to wait around all day. So nothing crazy in the morning might go for a little workout, but probably just go for a walk and then head to the course a couple hours before. Interesting. What would you, how would you say your elevator pitch to, to fans that don't know you, they flip on the TV tomorrow, PGA tour live, and they see you in contention right there at the top. What's kind of your, your, your short elevator speech to, to golf fans out there? Um, that's a good question. That's a, I've never been asked that one before. <laughs> um, you know, obviously I haven't looked at any betting odds, but I'm sure I'm the underdog. So everybody likes a good underdog story. You know, obviously my name's kind of interesting and, um, I mean, it feels like a little bit of David versus Goliath. I mean, John Rahm's major champion, Justin Thomas, major champion. They've won lots of tournaments, and I have not um, been playing better as of late. But, um, you know, sometimes it's fun to go. To, it's obviously fun to go take down those guys, and um, it can be done, but you're going to have to be on top of your game to do so because they're both world-class players. So um, ready for the challenge. And I, I, I guess to answer your question, you know, rooting for the underdog is, is kind of fun. And, um Maybe that can be me. Yeah, a big opportunity ahead. Um, you know, what's the biggest name player you feel like you've played on a weekend in, as you say, your fifth year on tour? So, so far, what's been the biggest name, you think? Uh, played with uh, – who did I play with in Japan? Colin Morikawa and um, Tommy Fleetwood. It was, it was a really fun pairing. That was in uh, the last round in Japan. And what was that experience like for you? It was good. There was a ton of fans. Um, unfortunately, I actually got hurt before the, the start of the round and had like a back injury. Um, so I kind of had to limp it around all day. But just the amount of fans and how appreciative they were of uh, us golfing and coming there. And they, you basically got a standing ovation when you came up to every tee box. So that's, that's a really fun and, and pretty special place to play. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. And, um, you know, Morikawa at that point had won so many events, you know, the Open Championship at that point and so much on his plate. Um, I would imagine the crowds are going to be big at Torrey Pines tomorrow. You got the favorite in Rom, and he's won there so many times. Like, how will you adjust to kind of having so many fans right there in the mix? Well, hopefully they can spot my ball quickly and it goes in the rough (laughs) because usually there's just one spotter. there wasn't many fans falling the first couple of days. And sometimes, you know, the spotters have to look for the balls for five minutes before you get there. And then we get there and then we, you know, kind of find where it was, but um, I guess locating my ball when it goes in the rough will be a little bit easier. And I'm sure that some of the fairways will be lined. So it'll be maybe some easier, um, you know, pictures to start the ball down to kind of like a bowling alley where you can see how you want to shape the ball. So that might, that might be a, a little easier for me. Um, but other than that, not much, I'm sure it'll be loud at times and um, which, which doesn't bother me. I mean, to play in the waste management and that, and that place is really loud on 16. So it'll be fun. It'll be loud. Um, but I look forward to it. I really do. For golf fans that we address this a little bit, but for golf fans that haven't seen you much at all, like, like what do you want them to really understand about your journey to get to where you are now? Like what's, you know, obviously you, you had different tours you were on before you got to the PGA tour, but what, what, what kind of stands out to you? you know, I guess it's just the roadmap that everyone has to go through now, but, um, you know, I kind of just like started from the bottom and, you know, now you're at the pinnacle of golf on the PGA tour and, you know, it's kind of a cool journey I have starting at basically, you know, single a triple a double a, um, 
and then making it to the PGA tour and hopefully, you know, the ultimate goal of winning and then, you know, winning again and winning again and, you know, con contending in majors and, you know, playing in my first major, I've never played in one of those before. So hopefully I can knock that off the bucket list this year. Wow. It, it, obviously there's so much on the line and, and that would be exciting to, to look towards that major championship. Um, I got to ask you though, uh, you had told me in the previous podcast that you're the kind of guy, when you watch your Purdue teams, whether it's basketball, or football, you're a slap the table kind of guy. You get so into it. So either you or your wife, Courtney can chime in if she wants to, how animated do you get? Like, what's the, the best example? What game was it where Adam or <laughs> where Adam just went crazy? Um, Pretty animated for the IU Purdue game, um, which was Palm Springs Thursday. Um, pretty animated for that one. Had a couple drinks, <laughs> but um, that was probably that. That was probably the most animated I've been in a long time. And and what, what kind of stuff? I mean, Courtney, were you there as well? What kind of stuff was he doing? <laughs> I was there, except I went to IU, so I was cheering for a very different game than he was. Um, he, he held it together pretty good, but he was—he had a lot of thoughts and and strategies that he thought needed to come into play for Purdue. <laughs> How do you guys coexist in a game like that? You know, when you're cheering for both teams, that rivalry. I mean, what is that like between you guys? <laughs> It's been really good as of late because I think Purdue won. Uh, I don't think Purdue won. I know Purdue won nine. This is the first one they've lost in a long time. But um, Purdue's got – I mean, they've got a good basketball team, had a good basketball team, got a great team this year, and they're fun to watch. And, um, you know, let's – hopefully they make some noise come March. But they're just – obviously I love every team they have, but this team's especially fun because they're just so good. Um, so not that your hopes are up, but, I mean, you know, the, the expectations are there. And, you know, hopefully they can just – I guess just kind of like me and just play their game and just do their best. And I, I think they'll like where they end up. Definitely. Well, I, I'm looking at this course, Tory Pines, that you're going to get it to for two more rounds. What about Tory is speaking to you this week? What's really kind of marrying well your game? Um, I've just putted really well, honestly, the first couple of rounds. And it hasn't been anything that's been a big secret. I mean, that's usually the best part of my game. Driving's been lacking a little bit, which has been a little disappointing. But it sounds weird, but if you're one of the longer players, which I'm not the longest, but I hit it, you know, fairly long, you can, you can kind of get away with it this week, maybe more so on the north course. But if you keep hitting it in the rough on the south course day in and day out, it, it, it's going to bite you at some point. So I definitely have to get the ball in the fairway a little bit more um, these next couple of days. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a tough course for sure. So I'm curious, you can't win tomorrow. Like clearly like that's, it's, it's a stepping stone. It's, it's a third round. Um, but what are you expecting from yourself, at least from what you can control tomorrow for Saturday? I should say Friday. <laughs> Honestly, just go and compete and, and have fun. And um, I mean, it sounds pretty cliche and simple, but just do the best I can and just can go compete. And, you know, if you win this week, great. If you, whatever you finish this week, if you finish last, I mean, it's just a learning experience. And you're going to you know, learn something from it, whether that's a, um, a, a good lesson when you play really well or, you know, a hard lesson where you're probably going to learn a little more. But it's kind of where I look at it. It's obviously not life or death. Um, it'd be great to play well, but um, that's probably not the biggest factor that I would grow and learn from. Um, it'd be great to, to do that. But um, I've been up there before, you know, at, at some point. Hopefully it's going to be my time, but um, just go and compete. Yeah, you were up there at Shriners, remember, in October, 54-hole lead. Yep. Um, 
what kind of player are you now compared to where you were even in October with that close call? Um, you know, I, w- I would think fairly similar. I would say obviously maybe knocking off just a touch of rust. I haven't played, I didn't play great in Hawaii. I like the course. Um, historically I haven't played well there. Um, Palm Springs. I like that place too. And I just unfortunately didn't have a good, um, back nine coming in on Friday, which was very disappointing. Cause I thought I was playing. All right. Um, just didn't get it done. Um, so I feel like I'm playing all right. I was obviously playing very well around Shriners. So we'll just go compete for the next couple of days and, and see where we add up. Definitely. Yeah, it's it, it's a great opportunity ahead. When what you've played prior, you know, going into this going into this week and now playing so well at, at Tory, is there an aspect of your game at all that you've been working on? I know we've talked about this in the past. You've had some things with your putter back in October, some slight adjustments with putting, but any slight adjustments with the rest of your game at all uh, recently? No, honestly, not really. I mean, there's always some things I'm working on. Like I feel like this week I got a little bit under the plane, so I had to work on, um, you know, for me hitting some pull cuts and starting the ball left and a little less sliding with my lower body. So kind of got that somewhat taken care of. And um, that's what I'm dealing with a little bit at the moment, but it's always something. Um, but in the other areas of the game, obviously just keep improving on my short game because I need to keep improving there. But um no, everything else is, is fairly similar, to be honest. Definitely. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a quick turnaround for you, so I'll probably get, let you get going here. Um, I guess one last kind of human interest aspect. What are your top three favorite golf moments that you've ever watched, whether when you look on YouTube or, or, or growing up? Golf moments I've ever watched. That's a great question. Um, obviously, Tiger making his putt here at Torrey. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I um, you know, watching Dustin hole out at the WGC. That was pretty cool to when he walked off um, on the 18th hole. That's another one. I mean, that was pretty fun to watch. And then um, watching my buddy, uh, Tyler Duncan, when he made his putt at the RSM to win, that was, that was awesome. Cause if, if memory serves Tyler, you, you guys were in the same wedding, right? Weren't you groomsmen? Yes. Yes. Correct. So, how, okay. So that, that now is opening up something else. I'm, I'm reminded by your friends that are connected on this tour. What has your phone been like the last few hours? Has it been blowing up? Like, you know, what kind of texts have you been getting from fellow, fellow friends like Tyler or, or family or what has that been like? Yeah, just, you know, just texts of support and, you know, everybody telling me, you know, nice going and good luck this weekend. So it feels, it feels good to have, um, so many close friends and family reach out. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that aspect. And, you know, people just cheering me on and letting, letting them, you know, that they're rooting for me. Any particular text that stands out the most, like maybe former college mates or anything? Uh, not honestly, not really. I mean, it's just the, it's the same, you know, several groups of friends and family that text. So everybody, everybody knows who they are. Like maybe a hundred people. Like how much are we talking about? <laughs> he does it. Probably or? like 50 text messages. I think my caddy had more than me. He's got more. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a guy that's really helped your game a lot recently too. Like he's a and he's a pretty popular guy on tour. Like how how helpful has he been to your game recently? Yeah, definitely helpful. And we we get along great. And you know, we have our we're both hard headed. We definitely have our arguments at times. Um, but you know, it seems like we get we get to where we need to go. And um, I I really enjoy having him on the back. Great stuff, Adam Shank. Thanks for jumping on Beyond the Clubhouse again with me. And uh, good luck at Tory the rest of the way, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Look to look to be on again soon.
Well, I'm joined by Adam Shank, who is in his fifth year on the PGA Tour. This guy, you've seen him on leaderboards recently in Vegas at the Shriners Children Open. And uh, Adam, what's been happening? How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, been trying to connect to you for a little while, and I've uh, been dodging you. But uh, no, it's it's been it's been good. The Shriners was a great event for me, a career best finish. So obviously that's a, a, a great start to the season, and you know, had a chance to win. I think I had the 54 hole lead, um, which is the first time I've done that in a stroke play event. Um, but obviously overall a great week, and um, you know hopefully continue some of that momentum into the rest of the season would be great. Yeah. Well, you mentioned 54 hole lead and a stroke play event. Obviously you rewind the tape a few months and in Reno um, you were right there through three rounds. It was a different modified stable for, that's one thing, but I want to, I want to take you this or take us to Sunday as you were getting ready for that round. Like how did you relax, kind of get yourself uh, prepared, I guess uh, for, for what you knew was one of the biggest rounds of your life there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you try and, not think about it being one of the biggest rounds of your life, but just exactly like you said, like it is, it was probably the biggest round of my life and I warmed up great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that it matters, but I made a lot of putts in the putting green. Uh, I feel like I made like three 30 footers in a row, which obviously doesn't happen um, on the putting green very often, let alone on the golf course. So I'm like, well, shoot, that's maybe three 30 footers. I just wasted. Um, but I hit it nice in the range. And when I got to the first tee, that's, you know, I started feeling the nerves a little bit more and, I was probably the most nervous the first three holes and then the last three holes. Um, so I, I settled down after the first three. I got I obviously got off to a great start and hit to a couple feet on the first hole and was fortunate to have a good number where I could spin a wedge. Um, but definitely body felt a little different teeing off and um, just tried to slow down as much as I could. But, you know, it's it's a tough situation to, to really prepare for until you've done it a couple of times. Um, but just the, the best way I could explain it was just the, my body just felt a little – different. It wasn't that I was overly nervous. I mean, I was excited, but body feeling just a little bit different. And, and I guess that's obviously a result of the nerves. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you talk about body feeling different, how did you feel emotionally when you looked at that board and you saw him throw up a number he was way ahead of you, right. In, in, in the process there, but what was your first emotion when you realized it's not going to happen today? I don't remember the first time I looked at a leaderboard, but maybe it was hole six where I was making a bogey that could have actually been a little worse. Um, and I saw he was a lot under par early. I'm like, oh my goodness, like winning is going to be kind of hard, you know, obviously not that you think you can't win at that time, but he was just so far ahead. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at his scorecard, to be honest. I know he shot nine under. I, I think he got off to a really good start, obviously. Um, but teeing off there were so many guys that were within striking distance of the lead on a golf course that's you know fairly gettable if you make some putts and drive in the fairway um, par five is reachable drive par four so I, I i knew that i had to play an excellent round of golf to win i knew i was going to shoot something low um i don't think i could have played you know i could have played a really good round of golf i would say and not beat sung jay um he just played phenomenal well, you talked about the nerves feeling a little bit different on that Sunday, but what, what did you learn about yourself in, in an experience like that in Vegas? Just, I keep going back to the fact that I, I believe that I'm good enough to win, you know, until you actually believe that. Um, because I, I don't know that I a hundred percent believed it for a long time, but I've started to believe it in the last couple of months. Um, 
So I think actually believing that and teeing it up with the intention of I'm going to win rather than I would love to finish 10th and just go on to the next week and feel good about myself, which is great. And all, I mean, top 10 on the tours, you know, unbelievable. It's really good golf. Um, walk up and down the range and you see everybody hitting and everybody's obviously very good, but that's my biggest takeaway. And the more I put myself in that situation of having a leader, being close to the lead on all the rounds, I mean, especially going into Sunday, um, I think the more I do that, then the better off um, I will be in the future. And this was, I mean, I hate to say a great learning experience. I mean, it's my fifth year on tour. I'm almost 30 years old, but it was, it was a good experience for me. When you said a couple months ago, it, it changed for you. You actually started believing you could win. What, what moment was it? Well, what exactly changed? So I started to putt better and uh, Brent Henley started to caddy for me and really work with me. Um, and he's just like, man, like, how are you fighting? This is the John Deere on the range. He's like, how are you fighting for your card? He's like, you're so good. Like, and everybody tells everybody that they're really good at golf and, you know, but he, I didn't really know him from Adam at that. That's huh, funny. Cause my name's Adam, but I guess that's just how the saying goes. Um, but he's like, what are you doing? Like, how are you fighting for your car right now? He's like, this is going to stop. And I'm just like, you know, wow, it, it meant a lot for him to say that, you know, maybe, maybe I am a little better and I gave myself credit for it. And I just, I putted, I, I figured out something in my putting that week. Um, and I've kind of been just rolling with that, but that was kind of uh, the turning point. And then we obviously played well there and played well at Barracuda and then just kind of kept it rolling. Um, yeah, it seems like John Deere a couple months ago, I don't know how long ago that was, that was um, a little bit of the tipping point. Yeah, and you mentioned your putting. Wasn't it like a little bit of an arc, adding a little more, bringing it more to the inside on the takeaway, right? Yeah, exactly. Inside and, and letting it letting it feel like it opens up. I mean, I, don't, I haven't been on the Sam Putt Lab or any of the putting devices that measure arc or face rotation or anything like that but my feel is just kind of take it a little more inside and have a little more open and close and like a smooth stroke um and that's i mean i always pulled so many putts before and i just never let the putter face open enough and come inside enough so that was um very helpful for me a great feeling um i guess it's more of using my hands a little more feel but i teed it up at john deere and i'm like I am putting so nice. I think I have it, have a chance. And that's a, that's a good feeling to have. Oh my gosh. I'd imagine. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, like, yeah. look at your career, the first rookie year, you didn't make the playoffs, but every year since you've been right there, you finished 88th last year. Uh, you were the bubble guy uh, just missed the BMW was a mm -hmm. couple years back, two or three years back. You were right there. So, I mean, this has really been, um, you've been progressing. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of turning in the right direction, right? Exactly. And, Purdue basketball always compares like, you know, each one Moore's paid played for like how many teams in the NBA and he's a hell of a player and had a hell of a career and everybody wants to be LeBron James and, you know, a superstar. And, and that's what I want to be too. But, you know, it's, it's just really, you know, tough to be a, a Dustin Johnson, a Tiger Woods. And, and, you know, maybe I'll get there. Maybe I won't, I don't know, but, you know, progressing and keeping your card and then all right that's great you have it once do it again okay you did it again now you know finish in the top 70 you know get a close top finish top 50 and then make that tour championship so it's it's a progression i'm not um god's gift to golf um i have progressed i have a lot more progressing to go um but i do feel like i am 
turning in the right direction. And, you know, everybody's roads a little different and, you know, this is my fifth year on the PJ tour. So that's, you know, that's a little bit of a feather in my cap. I mean, um, I've improved a lot since college, but, you know, everybody progresses differently. And it, it is nice exactly like you said, to see a little bit more of a progression to, okay, 88th last year, you've kept your cars several years in a row, but, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm ready. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do it, I feel like it's time to make that jump and all right, let's get in the top 70 this year or let's get, you know, whatever, whatever that jump may be for me. Um, let's just do it. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up Purdue a little earlier too. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but w- when we talk about um, progressing and when you see your friends, your fellow friends on tour, even fellow Indiana natives like Tyler Duncan win as he did about a year and a half ago, he got into that first master's. How, how do you process that when you see your friends win, when you see them in the masters, what does that do for you? It just, I mean, for me, it made me weirdly believe in myself a little more. Um, and seeing Tyler win, I mean, I was so pumped for him. I was so excited. I jumped <laughs> off the couch and like <laughs> pulled every muscle in my back. I, mean, I didn't, like, I, I jumped so high off the couch. and I was so excited for him because he works really hard. Uh, and he's just a, a good person, one of the good guys. So I was extremely happy for him and played in his first masters. Uh, Unfortunately it was the one with out the fans and whatnot. So, I mean, he's, he's playing great. I mean, um, he hits it like a robot. Um, He's putting a lot better and his short game's good. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler has a run at a couple tournaments this year and, you know, would, would throw up another win this year. Um, But it's, it's, it's exciting because I want my, I want, I, mean, I basically want everybody to do well. Honestly, that's, that sounds really uncompetitive, but um, I feel like I'm friends with most guys on tour and, and um, it, it is more fun, I guess, seeing your friends succeed. But um, in over five years, I have gained a lot of friends on tour. So um, it, it, it's fun seeing them succeed. It's fun when you play well every once in a while for yourself. And hopefully I'll start to do that more often, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it is rewarding to, play practice runs all these guys and then see them do well. And then, you know, you send them, Hey, congratulations. You know, the 80 bucks I beat you out of was, you know, that was the reason that you did well that week or giving them some, uh, some kind of crap, I guess you call it. Yeah. You were talking about obviously friends and, and how well they played. Is there like a couple mentors or a couple guys that's kind of taking you under their wing, um, whether it's players or even some veteran caddies out there on tour, uh, over these last few years? Yeah. So, um, Charles Howe, when my first year on tour, he was very nice. Um, he's, you know, played a lot of practice rounds with me. I played with him um, before, you know, Webb Simpson's been very kind to me and his caddy, Paul Tesori, they give me a lot of advice. So they're just great people. Um, I feel like I'll play with um, putting contests against Charlie Hoffman all the time with putting green. I can't seem to ever beat him. I don't know really why I play him. Well, I haven't played him much in, or in a long time, which is probably smart on my end, but he's, he's helped with my putting and, and give me some good advice. Um, but just, I feel like I've learned um, a lot from those guys, but I've just learned a lot by watching or, you know, play a practice round with Dustin or play a practice round with um, Colin. And then you just see just how they do things where you watch somebody hit a shot and you just stop and stare for just a second. Just, just try and learn something every day, I guess you'd call it. But every time you have a chance um, or an opportunity to learn something, I try and take advantage of that. Mm. Well, we talked about Indiana uh, sports, actually, sorry, Purdue sports just a minute ago in your example there. How animated do you get when Purdue, because you went there, you graduated there, but how animated do you get when Purdue basketball or football is on TV and your juices are flowing? <laughs> what are you yelling at the TV? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 
table slapper for sure and a yeller and I get excited, <laughs> super excited every year for football, super excited every year for basketball. I know football has been down a little bit, but um, Jeff Brom's our guy. So um, run through a brick wall with them and, you know, they um, have a big game at Iowa this Saturday. So that would be a great one for them if they could and knock off Iowa. I was just talking to the golf coach, uh, which they've got a great golf team this year. Uh, one of their uh, Herman just won two tournaments in a row, which is the first time it's been done in a long time. Um, so, I mean, Purdue sports altogether is it's something I get um, emotional about. I mean, I, I'm there for it. I cheer for it. If I'm having a few beers and it's even more amplified, which is the case most of the time. Um, but super excited for basketball season. I think they're going to be in the top five preseason, which doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't mean anything, but they're going to be really nice. And we got to watch a basketball practice earlier this fall and it was just jaw dropping how big, fast and, and good they were. And, and coach paint came over and you know said hi to us and he couldn't have been nicer. Man, what a thrill that would be. Um, well, being an Indiana native, Vincennes uh, native and close to Evansville. Um, what, what is that like when you just get out and, um, you know, spend time there. I'm sure growing up, I mean, I, what I'm getting at here is what was it like meeting golf and finding the, the passion that you have for it now to be on the PGA tour? Yeah, it was great. You know, grandpa, dad introduced me to the game and I grew up on a sod farm. We have seven acres of zoysia grass out in our basically out in my front yard. So I practiced there and they take me to the course a little bit once I, you know, progressed and I'd, you know, start to play some at Evansville and start to play some in Indianapolis and travel a little longer, um, which eventually ended me up at Purdue, um, which was phenomenal. But, you know, I had a really good setup at home. And that's obviously, like you said, like where I developed the passion at and was really fortunate to be introduced to the game at a young age and have access to, you know, basically a driving range at my house whenever I wanted it. So coming back here and being able to go back out to the farm, um, where I grew up hitting golf balls, I have a little patch of Bermuda grass where I hit balls off of for probably a couple hours a day and then had my dog bunker out there. And then we went and picked the balls up in the golf cart and he just absolutely loves that and chasing rabbits or cats around the farm, whatever there is. So that's, that's a fun bonding time for us. Um, but yeah, it was a really fortunate just to grow up uh, with that situation. And then now living back here is, is it's very fulfilling. Wife and I are very happy. What was the aha moment that where you realized, hey, listen, I think I can make this on the PGA Tour. I think this is actually attainable. It was my – so I did half a victory lap for college. So the start of my fifth year, went back and got my um, management degree in Craner. And Coach Bradley, this was – he was my coach starting my senior year and really started to make a few changes. And I had time to work on them without having to play a tournament. And I just, I played, that was some of the best golf I've still ever played in my life was that fall semester, my fifth year. And I only went back for half for a semester, half a year. And then I turned pro that following uh, spring. And that was, that fall was like, Hey, you know, I, I think I'm good enough to play professional golf. I want to go see what I can do. And, you know, it wasn't anything that was super magical. I just started shooting low, lower scores and I started doing it consistently. And that, you know, if coach Bradley wouldn't have uh, you know come to Purdue, I probably wouldn't be playing professional golf right now, to be honest. But that was, that was definitely the moment. hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's, that's great to have that, that moment and that inspiration from coach Bradley. Um, 
I, I got a listener question from somebody on Twitter here. Um, he had asked uh, the joke, your last name, Shank, with golf. How how many times have you gotten that over the years? I'm thinking at least five or ten thousand, right? <laughs> Definitely lots. But most people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to mention your last name, but how you know how funny is that? And they all say something. But obviously, people are great with it. It happens most of the time in proams. But I mean, it's something that obviously being on the PJ tour. Um, I mean, it's fun. I have to have fun with it. I mean, it, it's it's pretty unbelievable that that that's my last name and i play golf and then happen to play it at a high level and make the pj tour so it's kind of a lot of things that come together so i so i just have fun with it i mean embrace it it's not like i'm i'm fortunate i always tell people i always i'm a toe ball hitter i hit drivers like everything off the toe irons i'm starting to hit more in the middle but like if i miss it it's on the toe so i don't shank it very often i'm still fully capable of shanking it but it it doesn't happen very often i'm a toe ball hitter luckily you know your shortcomings, right? <laughs> I, I do. I, I do. I, I shank it when I practice my chipping it in uh, in Vegas. I, I probably shank ten chip shots, and so oh, that's that's such. I shouldn't even tell you this, but like now, now when I was getting up over my chip shots, I'm like, wow, I got that shot in the bag now. So I I have to <laughs> uh, I have to really make sure I do my technique correctly and not try and do too much of a new technique because I did hit which is crazy. You think you'd hit more shanks like in a full swing, but I, I shank it when I chip way more often than anything. That's, that's probably really bad to say, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Here's another question from Kip Henley, the brother of, of your, your caddy, Brent uh, Henley. He said, is it possible a 57 year old broken down caddy could be the best screen reader on earth? Meaning I assume his brother, Brent. He's pretty good. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> I use the greens book so I can kind of cheat a little bit. Um, if I didn't have the greens book, he'd be a far superior green reader than me, but he reads greens really nice. And, uh, that's going to be a big benefit next year when the greens books go away. I think they're going away. I'm not exactly certain, yeah, but, um, supposed, yeah. he's, he's pretty good and we have a good time together and he, he likes to joke around and not, not take things too seriously. But, uh, Kip, Kip, I've heard Kip reads greens pretty good too, but Brent, Brent's a nice green reader. I'm not going to lie. I got to give him, I got to give him a little credit there. Got to give him a lot of credit everywhere, but he, he reads screens really good. Yeah. Well, here, here's another thing uh, before we kind of wrap up here. Um, one thing I talk about with a lot of guests, a lot of players is the practice warm up, And that's something that for us amateurs at home, we can all relate to that. It's something we all have to go through, right? Like whether it's an hour plus like you guys, or whether it's only 10, 15, <laughs> 20 minutes for us, when you get to the course, what are you trying to get out of your pre-round routine with the range, with chipping and putting? So I'm a little more unconventional than most players. I, I try and find, this is a weird answer. I try and find the benefit in every tee time that I get. So if I'm early late, then I can rest up, play, get all my practice and rest up and then be ready to go early Thursday morning. And then whatever I'm working on, I have all afternoon Thursday and I have all morning on Friday to, to prepare for that late tee time. Um, if I'm early, if I'm late early, which is my favorite tee time, because if you're playing well, you just kind of roll it over. And if you happen to miss the cut, then you can fly out and get home on Friday afternoon, evening, which is, it's huge. Cause I play a lot of weeks. Hopefully I don't have to ever do that this year. One of my goals was to not miss any cuts and I messed that up in the second tournament. So I have to start that goal over. But um, if it's a super, to answer your question, but I, I always wanted a late, 
early tea time. So when I would get an early late, an early late, instead of being like, Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get my tea time again. I would, you know, see, okay, you know, I'm going to go out and shoot a good round. I'm going to have fresh greens and then I'm going to have all afternoon and then all morning the next morning to do whatever I need to do for my game. Um, and if I do have an afternoon tea time, sometimes I'll just come out, you know, 45 or an hour before and just get a normal 30 minute warm up in, um, hit balls for 15, chip and putt for probably 20 minutes combined and go tee it. Or sometimes I'll come out two and a half hours early and spend an hour and a half chipping. That's kind of what I did last week in Vegas. Um, and just you gain a little confidence for the chipping. There was a lot of end of the grain chips, um, which kind of give me a little bit of a fit, give a lot of people fits, I guess. I prefer to play off bent grass, but we play off a lot of Bermuda, so I had to get used to that. Um, where I differentiate the most is like if I tee off at, I think we tee off at 640 on Thursday, and I probably got to the range after I did a, a really quick warm-up like for my body. When I say really quick, I mean like three or four minutes, like just nothing crazy, a few stretches, a few squats and everything. I got to the range probably – hit putts for five minutes. Um, of course it's basically dark, so you can't, I don't know how much warming up you can really do in the dark, but I hit balls. I got to the range at six twenty, So I hit balls for 12 minutes and then basically walked to the tee. I mean, it doesn't, I, I feel like my body's good golf shape, I guess it warms up pretty quickly. It wasn't cold out. So, um, I would just rather have a quick warm up and honestly just go tee it up and not overthink things. I like things when they happen, you know, quickly like you know bam 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 I'd, I'd rather have too little time than too much time honestly With so I, i'm convinced that all the times i play at sawgrass i'll show up late not hit balls and go shoot 66 or something so what makes a pj tour tournament you know any different it, it, it's not any different you're just playing for a lot more money than you know 20 or 40 bucks with your buddies. So as long as you as long as you think you're ready and your body's ready to go then i don't think it really matters yeah, and it, well, I'll get more into practice in just a minute. But you you mentioned though uh, you're playing for so much on the tour, and you mentioned missing a cut, having goal of not mi- uh, missing a cut, and then you did. What take take our the golf fan listeners through what the emotions are like when you do miss a cut, when you put so much effort into it, right, and it just wasn't enough that week for that field. You miss the cut, your trunk slammer. Like, w- take us through what that feels like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've kind of got the mindset now where. I've played a lot in the past. I'll play a lot, hopefully play a little less going forward, but still more than most. And you're exactly right. There is so much effort that goes into every week. I mean, if you're not there trying to compete and get better and and, and hopefully have a chance on Sunday, I mean, obviously you want to win every tournament, but if you give yourself a chance on Sunday with how many good players there are on tour, you kind of did your job for that week. And then obviously it doesn't come together. And I was pretty disappointed in myself at Sanderson because I played really nicely. I just gave away and did some silly stuff Thursday morning and just gave away three or four shots that I really didn't have to do. And it wasn't just, I made a bad swing. It was just a couple silly things that I did. And, you know, uh, I made a double with a wedge on the second hole from the middle of the fairway from 110 yards. Like that can't happen. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You just can't do that. I made bogey on a par five from 40 yards for my third shot. Like you can't do that. Um, and then I bogeyed a drive little par four just because I hooked it left and tried to swing too hard. Can't do that. And then looking back after I missed the cut by one, it just feel like I wasted a whole week. You know, my wife's there with me. We could have, you know, 
if I'm going to do those silly things, then why am I even at a golf tournament? Not that I was trying to do those silly things, but I was, I was pretty disappointed in myself because I should have been three shots lower, you know, sitting in about 28th position, not having played awesome golf going into Saturday and missed a cut by one. So that one stung a little bit, but we did get to fly home, get a little, little reset in and then, and then head to Vegas. So I guess it worked out. I played well in Vegas, but I just don't, I just want to be a consistent golfer. I guess that's what everybody wants to be, but I just don't like missing cuts. I don't like finishing 30th, 40th, 50th, 60th, which has happened a lot to me in the last couple of years. Um, obviously it is hard, but I just want to be a little more consistent and just have, you know, why, why not have 10 top tens? I mean, John Rom had 17 or 18 top tens at whatever 23 events. I mean, you know, if he can do it, then obviously <laughs> he's the best player in the world, but you know, I, I want to throw up a stat where you have 10 top tens in a year. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So back to warm up range types of things. So you said it really depends on the week. If it's dark, you know, you can only do so much in the dark for an early round for us as amateurs at home. I mean, in the 15, 20 minutes that we have before we start our tea time, we get to the course. What do we really need to, to focus on with, with our bodies or with our swing? Like what, what I know it's a general question, but how can we be better with the time we have at the course? I think a good idea is to fill up the, fill up the cooler, I guess. Honestly, <laughs> no. no, but that, that probably wasn't hurt a little swing oil. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just so much different, like obviously professional golf, but you know, amateur golf is it's, it's great. And just going out and playing with your buddies. I mean, it's, it's just such a social scene. It's just, you're out there to have fun. You want to beat your buddies out of 20 bucks, whatever you're playing for. Um, and it's just so fun to, you know, play in the morning, get away from the wife for a little bit. Um, she listened to this. I'll probably <clears throat> catch some slack, you know, I mean, the weekends are great. You do that. You go have, have some drinks, you go home, you watch some football, spend some time with your family. I mean, it's, it's weekends in the fall are pretty great. And then Sunday you have the NFL. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? Embarrassment but, of riches, baby. <laughs> that's right. But I, I mean, going back to the warm up, I mean, I would just try, I think a good piece of advice that's simple to do is just do a little bit of everything. Hit balls for five minutes, putt for five minutes. If you can chip for five minutes or two minutes, that's great. Just do a little bit of everything, no matter how much time you spend. If it's two minutes chipping, five minutes putting, 10 minutes hitting balls, I think as long as you touch every part of your game, I think you'll have a little more confidence when you step up over that first shot on the golf course, whether it be a chip from the bunker, a chip from the rough, uh, you know, a five-footer. Um, yeah, I think that's fairly rational, but it does, it doesn't always happen. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's interesting. So, so that's for our game, um, for you though, like, are there any go-to drills pre-round or even on practice days that you really have like, just that's my go-to. Yeah. Sometimes I like to, <clears throat> if I'm struggling just to get a feel for my swing, the golf ball club face, I always hit a bunch of like big cuts bunch of big draws just to like get a feel for the game or a feel for my swing that day um flight a bunch of shots hit a bunch of shots high just to see <coughs> excuse me just to see kind of where i'm at for that day um but basically i just like to kind of mess around hit like 30 yard cuts hit 30 yard draws and then i can kind of feel my swing out from there and you know hey i'm not drawing the ball well today better not try that shot or, Hey, I'm not cutting the ball. Well, today better not aim at water and try and cut it off of it. Or, Hey, you know, I've got that cut shot. I'll take it down the water line. I don't care. 
but it just, it's just so dependent on what you have belief in. You're going to be going to Japan next week. Um, by the time this podcast releases, it's probably going to be that the week of, uh, how do you pass the time on a long plane flight? What does Adam Shank do? <laughs> you movie I've guy? Played, <clears throat> I've played a, I played a lot in Argentina once or twice in Uruguay, Brazil's far too on the Latin America tour. The key is couple, uh, you stay up for like two or three hours. They, they'll serve you a meal, eat your meal, watch a movie. That's another two, two, two or three hours. And then during the meal, you take your two Advil PMs, have a couple of alcoholic beverages, um, read a book, which will make you fall asleep almost immediately. And then you hopefully sleep for five to six to seven hours. And then on a 13 hour flight, you have about three hours left. That's a hundred percent to go to like a well-oiled machine, man. This is not your first rodeo. It, it's not the Latin America tour is tough. Argentina is a long way in a middle seat, which happens most of the time. I do. I wasn't flying in. These are lay down seats that we're flying in there um, on the charter. So gosh, we're getting so spoiled. Um, yeah, I don't know how I did that. I, I, I flew from uh, <clears throat> Uruguay to Toronto ended up being like a 13 hour flight or something, 14 hour flight in a middle seat economy and i mean it was tough i'll never forget that flight what do you take away the most from just that time um latin america just just with with all those aspects of travel but just with your game there and progressing yeah just learning how to play different golf courses play around the world i mean i I guess on the pj tour you do play around the world we're going to japan you play in uh, mexico um, puerto rico all, all all these places and um, you know, South Korea, um, eventually when the CJ cup gets back there, but yeah, just learning how to <clears throat> put it all together and, and just kind of finding out who you are. And, and if you, Hey, is this something I actually want to pursue? I know a, a lot of great golfers make the Latin America tour, but some guys played the tour and, and possibly could have made the PJ tour. They're just like, Hey, this isn't really for me. You know, the travel's too much. So that's, those are some of the aspects that I think I figured out about myself and I think others, other golfers go through as well. Mm. I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, 46 inch driver now will, will be the, the, the rule has gone from 48 <clears throat> to 46. What do you make of that change with the USGA? So it was 48 and now it's 46. That's, that's um, yep. I haven't heard much about, I mean, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I know Phil was upset about it because I'm, I'm guessing he uses a driver that's in the, 46 to 48 inch range or he's and dabbled he, with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't think it really affects anybody, so I don't know why they changed it. Um, I, I've experimented with a longer driver at ping, but I think it was like 40, maybe it was 46, but I didn't really hit any further. Um, and then you have to, you know, you think about hitting it in the center. Now you, you use a longer driver. You're not hitting it in the center as often. So I actually kind of almost hit it further with a shorter driver. Um, I mean, I feel like you never know what the USGA is going to do, um, but I don't think it's going to affect really many people. So I don't think it really matters in the long run. I mean, you know, Phil obviously won the PGA, but maybe if he used, I don't, I don't know what his length is, and he hits it so far. So if he used a forty-six inch driver, I mean, he's probably still going to hit it just as far. But it's Phil, so he's always obviously has an opinion, and as he should. He's one of the greats of all time. So um, I have more of a different opinion i guess if i was in the range of using a driver that was that long but mine's like 44 so mine's 44. not in that range yeah 40 maybe 44 and a half oh so you're not even close to that barrier no, 
No, I'm going for straight. I don't really go. I hit it. I hit it. Okay. Long, but I like, I like it when I, it's in the fairway most of the time. Yeah. Well, Adam, really fun uh, getting to know you here on, on beyond the clubhouse and thanks for joining for a bit. Um, Want to throw out your Twitter handle for everybody. AC shank. Uh, it's S C H E N K one. The, the, the number one on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, buddy, great catching up. Thanks again for the time, buddy. Thank you very much for having me on and hopefully talk to you again in the near future. All right. Big thanks to Adam Shank. I love how relatable that guy is. I mean, just what are they going to do? Okay. What is he and his wife going to do before the tea time? Probably his biggest, Oh, not probably his biggest round of golf he's ever played with Rom, the guy who owns Story Pines, right? Number one in the world with JT, major champion, superstar. What is he going to do? Oh, he just, oh, no big deal. Just going to go out to coffee with my wife, Courtney. We're going to go to Starbucks, enjoy San Diego, go for a walk. I love that perspective. But hey, still, I, I love what he's saying about never played with JT, never played with Rom. There's crowds are going to be massive. He's just going to do his thing. Not going to be chatty, not going to get out of the box. He's going to be more to uh, keep to himself. So I love kind of the insight he showed us there on what he's expecting, how he's going to manage his expectations as well, uh, going into this huge round for Adam Shank. So hope you guys had a blast listening to it. I hope you had as much fun as I had talking with him. And we'll catch up soon. You'll see videos on my Twitter at Johnston Garrett and at Garrett Johnston Golf on Instagram with some of the best of moments from this as well. So catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.